I can't start my day without, you know, two cups of coffee, but I'm one of those guys that pounds the creamer and I'm trying to get away from that and trying to just appreciate the coffee on its own. And I know you got into the coffee business now with your own brand. What advice do you have for someone trying to kick the cream and the sugar and all that? Well, you could first of all start by just taking more cholesterol medicine then you can drink as much creamer as you want. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, look, I use creamer. You know, I like it. I I like a smooth, kind of creamy, almost milkshake flavor. There's something I love about the grittiness and the girth of coffee combined with sort of the smoothness of milk, you know. And I'm a kid who grew up on the farm in Minnesota. So for me, you know, I, I like that. That's kind of a flavor I grew up with, you know. But I think once you like sort of the, the sugars and those kind of things, I, I, here's one thing I don't recommend. If you can stay away from the processed creamers that aren't, that's not real dairy and it has a lot of high fructose corn syrup, I think if you can stay away from that stuff and the chemicals and you can stick with more, even transition to honey. I mean, honey is, tastes wonderful in coffee. Mm. And that may actually be a way for you to, you know, maybe tomorrow start your day with black coffee and add some honey in it. You know, it'll kind of sparkle your taste buds a little bit, and it may transition you away from having to use so much or maybe not even having to use any cream at all. Perfect. I'm going to try that. and Let's talk about the coffee. You got, what, three, four, five flavors now? Oh, yeah. yeah, we've got four four roasts that we have right now, and um, a couple of them are blends or hybrids of a couple of things. And you know, so far what we started with was very high end, premium, hand roasted coffee, and it was important to me because I wanted great quality, great flavor. I wanted it to be a, a great experience. You know, we roast a couple times a month, so when we when we process the orders, we literally we roast it, we package it, we drop it in a box. It ships that day. Hopefully, when it shows up to your door. It's like a coffee potpourri. You know, you you open the box and and it's just, you know, you fall in love with the smell immediately. You know, now we're actually getting into some retail accounts. And and so we're, you know, looking at some other, uh, you know, blends and some other pricings and things like that, which is kind of part of it. But as part of our model of our company will always be to have the direct order, high-end premium blends. And you can buy those direct from empmerch.com. You can go there right now and place an order and we'll have coffee to you within a few days. Yeah, and you even have the monthly subscription on there where you can just sign up and know you're going to get great Ellison coffee every month. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's really been cool. My first one was a Brazilian blend, the Roast in Peace. And so I like to use rock and roll names like Roast in Peace, <laughs> Kenya, Th- Kenya Thrash, is right. a Kenya blend, of course, and which is an expensive coffee. That's an expensive bean to get. And then we have the She-Wolf, which is a Nicaraguan blend, and we buy direct. And then we now do the uh, the Urban Legend. And, that, and it's kind of funny because that ties into the folklore of the song Mary Jane from the uh, Megadeth record so far, so good, so what? It ties back to my roots back in Minnesota. So, yeah, we'd like to you know have some cool, fun rock and roll themes so people kind of get to feel like they're part of the whole music and Megadeth legacy, too. Do you have a limit, like a cap, like, you know, four cups a day or three cups a day, or do you try to try to limit yourself on the coffee? You know, I, I'm like you. I First thing out of bed, I, you know, I like to have a nice big cup, you know, or two, <laughs> depending yeah. on how long I'm sitting there kind of chilling, waking up, you know. You know, it's kind of part of my ritual, you know, and so I like that. And then usually later in the day, probably actually about the time we get off this interview, I might brew up another <laughs> another pot. And, and I kind of like to 
different ones. You know, in the morning I'll go sometimes for something that's a, maybe a uh, lighter blend because it, 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 the lighter the, the, the roast, it, it actually has more caffeine in it, so it kind of gets you up and out the door a little better. Mm. Um, and then later in the day, I actually enjoy the darker roasts because they go well if you're going to if you have anything sweet to snack with it. Um, and the darker roasts generally tend to have less caffeine, so they tend to be a little racier and kind of a thicker, more enjoyable coffee later in the day, sleep a little better at night. Good to know. The lighter ones actually tend to be the ones with the more caffeine, and the, the darker ones, not quite as much. Exactly. So like in our line, She-Wolf, which is our light blend, that one, that, that one, that'll rock your world. You know? <laughs> and uh, and even, even our road crew, I had some of the Kenya thrash out, and they were, when we were in Europe, they were calling that the jet lag buster because that one seemed to have a pretty good kick. <laughs> and that's actually, that's actually a medium. That's kind of a, a medium roast. And then the roast in peace, which is our darkest one, that, that's probably the richest flavor, but um, has, has the least amount of caffeine in it. Thank you for ca- kind of caring and, and fostering here the next generation of, of metalheads and metal bands with the EMP label group. So yeah, it's good to, to support you know the next generation. Some of them are new bands. Some of them are bands that had previously had some major label deals, and, and quite honestly, they're thankful just to have another shot at it again and, and to kind of stay in the game. And not all specifically metal too. I mean, you you, you got some hard rock, you got some punk leaning stuff, a little bit of everything. Yeah, it, it is. And I mean, it's funny because it all started with, you know, with that teenage female band, Dollskin. You know, we did a quick kind of a stint with Megaforce for a bit, which was great because they, quite honestly, kind of allowed me to get the whole imprint concept going. I learned a lot about, you know, the record business kind of on that level. You know, what's, you know, sort of keep the expectations realistic on it. And, and it's interesting because with the Dollskin record, we did one single and we were starting to get some traction, you know, and the phone was ringing and more offers for things were coming in. And I just realized, as like, you know, in order to get this to where I'm going to want to see this go, I'm going to have to, you know, put some of my own money in it. I'm going to have to just kind of step up and really shepherd this thing. And, and, you know, from there, that's when all these other opportunities with all these other records came in. And I realized there's, there's a niche for it. You know, there's, I've got, I've got Johnny Z from, who's on Metallica sending me bands. I've got Nuclear Blast sending me bands. I've got Brian Slego from Metal Blade. You know, these are all kind of friends of mine from, you know, I've been an artist my whole life and these guys are in the record business. And now they're sending me artists that are coming to them. And they're like, (laughs) well, you know, some, some of these bands, we like them, but we're not ready to kind of put our infrastructure behind them and sometimes they get too many artists and they can't oversee all of them so they're they're calling me now so it's kind of nice to be on the other side of the of the phone with you know label executives calling me on label matters not just music and artistic matters i saw dollskin on the uh otep tour and they blew me away i I was like wow these aren't just good looking girls these are girls that are 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 pretty too yes but they can play their instruments they can play their butts off funny yesterday i was at comic-con down in tucson and one of the teachers he actually does the graphics for comic-con his name is fred bernie fritz and he uh he sat next to me at the high school talent show where basically i discovered dollskin (laughs) and uh even told me he goes bucket list moment sitting next to an i iconic metal bass player who discovers the next generation of music. <laughs> and, 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 I, and it's kind of funny because we just laugh. We go, we, we, I mean, he and I have that, that moment in common where we, again, I'm a, you know, rock star bass player and he's a school teacher and we both felt the same thing. Like, oh my God, these girls are it. I mean, this is the real deal right here. So I guess when it kind of strikes that chord in, in you know, people of such varying backgrounds i think that's definitely a good thing 
Yeah, and I got to personally thank you for signing a good friend of mine, Evan and Cage Nine, another spectacular band, and a, a guy that I've known for you know 15, 16 years, and and knew from the moment I met him, like this guy's a rock star, this guy's a star. He's got yeah. all the qualities. He just needs that chance. Totally, no, absolutely. And it's funny because he makes most of a lot of his living is he's a record producer. He makes records, and in fact, he's actually doing the new Dalsian record right now. I mean, that's kind of what we do in our EMP family is when you're inside. We kind of utilize everybody's talents. You know, Ryan Barrier, drummer of Dollskin, is an incredible graphic artist. He actually did the, the Dollskin LP release. He did all the artwork. Evan, we're having him. He's producing the next record for Dollskin. So, you know, it's kind of funny when you get in this creative family that we have. Everybody has a lot of different resources that we can, you know, we kind of tap each other's other resources as well. And, and that, that's what I like about it. It's this really cool creative collective that we've assembled here and and it just you know the the beauty of it is is it all just kind of fell in our laps you know none of us were out looking for it we weren't trying to make this happen it just it literally just kind of fell in our laps and we just kind of paint by numbers and connect the dots now and the family vibe i think is important now more than ever too you know it's almost like going back to that old school like that motown vibe of when everyone was working together and kind of all united on one front and all for the same cause you know to push and hard rock and and new music especially forward. Yeah, and I, I totally agree because, you know, we were like that as, as thrash metal brothers growing up, you know, Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, Anthrax, Overkill, Testament, um, Exodus, you know, all, all of us. We were all buddies and we were all friends. And then, you know, we had one level, I guess, we were kind of competitors in the early days. But, you know, we were really, you know, it, was, it wasn't so competitive between us as much as we were just all good friends and brothers. And, you know, so I got to be a part of that on the artistic side. And now all these years later to have that, to kind of bring that same mentality back to it from a from a creative collective you know i've seen some of these other labels you know like sumerian did that you know the century media family and even nuclear blast you know so i see i see that concept you know roadrunner was like that you know it yeah started out as as a very i mean i remember dave and i we met with case wessels who was the owner and founder of road it was road racer records it was <laughs> right. so we had offers from like uh megaforce metal blade road racer in combat and we ended up going with combat but you know, there was kind of this this family, you know, I don't know if it was family, but at least it was kind of a brotherhood, you know. So I, I, I like to carry that mentality because I think there's strength in numbers, you know. And when we work together, especially with the way the record business and the entertainment business is these days and for, for young, newer artists starting out, I think when everybody works together, uh, you just, you you know, you, you just accomplish so much more. You know, two plus two equals five when you do it that way. And curious from your vantage and, you know, always a bunch of musicians listening to the show, listening to this interview. Tell me what you're looking for in a band. Can you put a finger on it other than you just know it in your heart? Are there any metrics, so to speak? Is there a specific amount of like social media to have or what do you kind of look for in a band? You know, I think all of it matters. You know, I know when you get to kind of the big boys, the majors, yeah, I mean, you got to all, you know, numbers do matter at that point. It really is kind of a numbers game. In fact, it's probably numbers more than the emotional impact of the music because, you know, record companies are in the business of selling records. That's what they do. What we like is is we like to be fans of it. And, and, and listen, we don't all agree on the same things. I brought things in and my partner, Tom, has said, listen, I got five other bands equally good or better than that who actually are, you know, can sell tickets and sell records and, and they would be a better benefit to the label. And, and, and I've, you know, acquiesced to him. I said, okay, I, I believe you. I trust you. So there's kind of this, you know, we, this sort of the checks and balances as well. And at the same time, he's brought a couple things to me and, 
And I've, I've sort of shot him down. I said, you know, listen, man, I, I, I just, from a vinyl collector point of view, I really don't think it's worth spending the money on the vinyl for that artist because I just don't see the fans of that artist being so enamored with it, you know? So we, you know, again, we kind of agree to disagree and we sort of got this little collective think tank with it. But, you know, when we're getting excited about an artist, especially that we're taking out to radio or something, you know, we have a team of some radio people and, and we run it by them. And we just said, you know, give us give us your thoughts. You're the experts. You're the ones that are going to have to be taking this around to the program directors. Um, you know, what else is out there that we're maybe we're not aware of? And, and so, you know, we try to do our own research on our side of it. But um, I think kind of at its most basic level, we like to see artists that are willing to work. We haven't had too much trouble with them. There's, we've had a couple of situations which, you know, you kind of can expect where some people kind of kind of start fighting. And, and that's where I step in. Sometimes I said, listen, okay, time out for a minute, okay? <laughs> I've done the Killing Is My Business Tour in a car, you know, in a van, <laughs> and had the record company tell us when we were in Kansas City, you guys need to go home and get jobs because we're not giving you any more money. I mean, I've wow. been through every bit of it that you can possibly imagine. Oh, yeah. And if I'm still here and I'm still willing to get on the phone on a Sunday afternoon and do an interview, or I'm still willing to, you know, answer 10 questions for Mike's metal, you know, goofball.net website, because he's a fan and he, he wants, you know, to him, you know, having a rock star, you know, answer the questions for his, for his website is going to help him. If I'm still willing to do it, then I certainly expect you to. That's, I think, a big part of what I hope carries some weight because I think sometimes, not very often, but once in a while, you'll get you'll get an artist or a musician who really they are very delusional and they just think a record company is going to show up with a tour bus and a million dollar check and hey, you won the lottery and now it's all <laughs> just you know groupies and hot tubs in the back of limos and this is my grand and I mean it's you know we all start at the same place. At right. The beginning. In uh, 2017, are we finally going to get the uh, A&A full-length album? You know, it's funny you ask about that, because Frank and I are actually going to go in the studio later this month and uh, to L.A. with our with our, our drummer, Jeff Friedel, and uh, Jay Rustin, who produces uh, the records for us. And he's also, a, he's also a bass player, so he has a kind of a special... Ah. You know, uh, special play. Yeah, so it's kind of like three bass players and a drummer hanging out. You know, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we're actually we're gonna actually add a couple more songs to the record. We're gonna do a little more recording because we've been doing some more writing, and you know, because we have a full length essentially done, and we're gonna expand upon it a little bit. And we literally just this month are having those discussions, and it's you know, it's a special record, uh, you know, band for me and Frank to have, and and so number one, we don't want it to get in the way of Anthrax and Megadeth. Sure. Sure. Just, you know, so Megadeth and Anthrax are going to, you know, carry through uh, next year, and and so we're yeah we're talking about kind of the right time. I, I assume probably late next year, early 2018, we'll probably release the next Altitudes and Attitude record. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. It's 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 a really fun, creative moment for me and Frank, and just kind of a cool kinship that we have with that. I'm really glad that you guys did make that record, even though it was kind of born out of doing those bass clinics because. Being an Anthrax fan, I've always loved Frankie's backup vocals. You know, he's always there for the chorus. Yeah. 
and then to get to hear him sing on his own, it's like, yeah, I love that voice. Like, he, he can really actually sing. Like, he is incredible, you know. It's, it, and he writes these simple songs. They're so easy and just simple. And there's really a, there's a, there's a genius to simplicity. You know? Yeah. Easy songs are hard to write. It's kind of the truth of the matter. And, and for Frank, I think there's this whole other sort of side of his emotional nature that these songs just pour out of it so easily. And they're so genuine. And, you know, the fact that we're both in these big, you know, titanic heavy metal bands, and then we play this other kind of music together. It's funny, I play bass on Frank's songs, and Frank has come to appreciate because, dude, you, you play bass so cool to my songs in a way I would never think to approach it and <laughs> and for me it kind of it kind of comes back to my you know i love the early u2 early punk rock it's kind of just simple you know even like the cure and sisters of mercy and these these bands that had these just kind of trippy cool you know bass parts and you know new almost new wave basically joe jackson the cars early stuff you know that i was into as a kid and, and i just love it i love that there's an outlet for me to be able to play like that yeah, I mean, Tell the World, you would never expect the guys from Megadeth and Anthrax to put out a song like Tell the World, but a great, simple, different side of the coin, like you were saying, a song, and, and love that, and looking forward to uh, to what the whole album has to hold, and, and also we got Metal Allegiance, too. Yeah, I know, it's, you know, it's been kind of a cool little season of my life, you know, to, uh, <laughs> to kind of get to do all of it, you know, I mean, Metal Allegiance was something that we had talked about doing um at an amp show and then suddenly you know megadeth wasn't on motorboat as we had as we had planned and, and because of that you know the promoter had called me and said oh my gosh you know megadeth is canceled what am i going to do and i said well hey i've got this other thing that turns out all of us are going to be on the boat anyway if you give us a couple of slots on the boat and we'll whip together a set list for you and, and it would just it was it was like the hit of the boat i mean it was just amazing and Again, it comes back to what we kind of what we started with the family brotherhood nature of metal and and a bunch of famous guys all getting together for no other purpose than just playing some great tunes together and and kind of sharing our record collections together. That's really how Metal Allegiance was born. And then to have you know to, to take it a step further to write some songs together. Me and uh, Alex Skolnick, Mike Portnoy, and Mark Mingy, the four of us are the the, the writers of the of the studio recordings, and we're actually going to be working on a another record right away early in 2017 wow. and then we have a then we have a show it's actually at the at the nap show that, yeah um, that we're uh that we're doing yeah and it, it's funny the fallen heroes thing you know it's funny because I, I didn't even plan it was three songs i was on tour so uh, mark uh, portnoy and scully got together and, and did three songs just digitally put it out uh and they called the fallen heroes Right, and, and so that was the model that we wanted to have for the Nam show was to do a Fallen Heroes set list. Really expanded out Jackson Guitars. It's essentially uh, Jackson's Nam party, so they're a sponsor of it. They asked us to play on it, and um, you know, so it's funny this Fallen Heroes thing. Now I see everybody's doing it. Like everybody's got a Fallen <laughs> Heroes set list or a Fallen Heroes album they're doing. And so it's kind of nice to know that our Metal Legions gang, we were kind of the you know at least pushed the idea out first. So it's it's cool to be ahead of that. You know, when the Metal Allegiance was first announced, I figured it would just be an album of covers. And you guys did the opposite and did all original material and then threw out the Fallen Heroes EP. And then that was the covers, but all for good purpose and good sense, you know, tributing to Lemmy and, yeah. and Glenn Fry and everyone who we've lost this year. To write 
songs together is not always something that works, you know. Sometimes you get a bunch of famous guys together, and, and, and it is just that. It's best if you just play some cover tunes and you leave it at, kind of leave it at the, at the you know, Saturday night barbecue and don't try to move it any farther. <laughs> but it's funny that, you know, with Metal Legions, there's a great, a terrific creative chemistry between us. And I think because we come from some very different backgrounds. I mean, Portnoy, of course, more of a uh, prog history, but he's a right. huge metal. I mean, Mike Mike has a record collection in the basement of his house that is, that would champion Tower Records. I mean, <laughs> I, I kid you not, half of his house is like the Guitar Center, just drum sets everywhere. Then you turn a corner, you go in his other room, and you're in Tower Records. I mean, Mike's house is... <laughs> It's like a, it's like the perfect house for like a 16 year old music fan, you know. It might be eternal kid, you know, and and so he just brings such a great energy and creative spirit to it. And of course, Skolnick, not only you know uh, such a great shredder and testament, but he's got his whole jazz background. Yeah. You know, I come from this, you know, obviously a very you know well you you hear a thrash and obviously what we do with with you know kind of this punk and melodic rock thing, you know, like what I do with Frank Bello. And then, you know, Mark Mangy, he's got, you know, he's kind of this, this dyed-in-the-wool kind of geezer Sabbath meets Pantera thing. And Mark's just got great instinct. You know, he's kind of the unknown one out of all of us, but he just kind of from a conceptual, you know, kind of planning visionary of the Metal Legion thing. He's just got really great instincts on the songs to play, the people to bring into it. He's just kind of the good friend of the neighborhood. Amazing, amazing album with Dystopia, and quite a year it's been for you guys since the release of it. It's almost coming up on a year now, but uh, curious for you, what's your favorite song off of the album? You know, it's been a fun album this year because, you know, I guess back in December, uh, a year ago, we did, with Blair Underwood, the actor, we actually did virtual reality videos, and we did, see what did we do? We did Fatal Illusion, Dystopia, Poisonous Shadows, and... Um, Gosh, I forgot what they were. There's like four or five of them that we did. It was a bit of a year. But they kind of set the tone of post-American world. And they kind of set the tone of like, wow, this album has a lot of stuff to it. It's got some real face-melting stuff. Like the first single we pushed out was Fatal Illusion, very yeah. progressive. And then we moved into The Threat is Real, which, you know, again, very angry, you know, kind of like the hornet's nest riff you know and um and good up-tempo tune but then we were able to move into some of the more melodic stuff like dystopia uh poison shadows and then um we did the post-american world video and song which i which is one of my favorite songs right away because i love those big open riffs kind of that symphony of destruction peace cells kind of riff you know it's it's big it's open you don't necessarily even have to be a staunch metal fan and and you hear it and you're kind of bobbing your head and tapping your foot and it, it just it feels good they're kind of feel good rest you know so you know the fun thing about that is i mean post american's probably my favorite song on the record that i personally enjoy but you know it, we make albums as a listening experience you know we don't write singles we write songs and then we embody them together as a whole kind of one hour listening uh journey you know right. this is how you know and i and that's that's i'm glad we still do that you know the artwork is part of that the the lyrics and the album credits inside of the record they're they're all part of that experience that you get um when you buy the record a complete record like you said no no filler Every song is great. It's a complete story. For you especially this year, a little change behind the uh, drum kit and you being the bass player, I imagine that kind of impacts you the most since the bass and, and drums are always locked up. But talk about Dirk, your new drummer. 
Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we recorded the record with Chris Adler from Lamb of God, and right. Chris has been a great friend of our, gosh, you know, 10, 12 years. And, um, you know, their band is also having a huge year, probably their biggest year they've had on their biggest record. So we, we knew it was kind of a temporary situation, and we were going to, you know, Chris is kind of jumping from one log to the next, going down the river of life, you know, between <laughs> Megadeth and Lamb of God. And it worked as long as we could have Chris, we wanted to have Chris. And then, of course, the inevitable day came here and um, earlier this year where, you know, both bands were out doing festivals and a lot of work. So it, it just came time to make that shift to having a permanent drummer. And, you know, Chris had always said, he goes, if I ever had something to replace me on the gig, I would call Dirk. And so, you know, we had Chris's blessing on that to call Dirk. And we did. And Dirk came in uh, one day we rehearsed. I think it was Columbus, Ohio. We just one afternoon went into a club, rented the club for the day and rehearsed. And I mean, man, as soon as he hit the downbeat, it just felt awesome. I mean, Dirk's got a lot of energy. He's a very educated drummer and just great energy. Skinny little vegetarian dude, you know. <laughs> and he's, he's, he's a happy guy. He's like the perfect fit for the band. So it, it's it's really it was a nice, easy handoff and worked out really, really well. Yeah, I mean, you guys didn't miss a beat. I saw you. Well, I guess it's been two now at the uh, the big Ozfest meets Notfest, which was an amazing show, and you guys were on fire. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it was it was great. I mean, we've been on tour. You know, we we've been around the world now, and we're going to be off now off tour anyway till probably you know sometime you know spring of next year. And some things are you know we're starting to get that all put together. But yeah, the record has been received really well, and you know we just announced that we're going to be uh, headlining the the Revolver Music Awards. Yeah, these called the Golden Guy. And um, so we're doing that. Yeah, so you know, it's just kind of fun. There's a couple of acoustic shows actually around that, and we haven't done the acoustic shows very much, you know, in, in quite a few years. I mean, we used to do a lot of that back in the '90s, and, and then I think kind of in favor of just being a more kind of energetic live band, we we sort of you know kind of strayed away from the acoustic thing. But now, you know, that there's we kind of had all this popularity back in the mainstream again. You know, folks bringing words to play acoustic, so we're going to go fire a couple of those up here as well. That's great, because, I mean, your music, all of it, translate acoustic, where that doesn't always happen. There is some music that, that when it goes acoustic, it, it doesn't work, but Megadeth, yeah. you never have that problem. Yeah, we're, we're blessed with that, you know, and it's hard, because this music is very progressive, it's very rip-oriented, so you do have to kind of, you know, go into it with a little bit of a different approach, and, it, and it's nice with Kiko, you know, playing guitar for us now, too, because he is a, another very incredible musician you know a schooled musician he really he's he sits down at a piano and he can play he picks up you know acoustic nylon string electric whatever it is and i can tell you know my own experience is when you study jazz you essentially understand all genres of music because you understand kind of what the what the engine of music really is and and you know kiko is very studied in his jazz studies so he's he's great when we now go to this acoustic stuff he's great with different chord voicings and and approaching megadeth songs from an acoustic perspective rather than just playing electric guitar riffs on an acoustic guitar because right. you get it nice and full and big sounding you know it's 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 a it's a, it's a different approach with acoustics so it's it's going to be fun to start doing these smell with, with kiko around 